I've seen tons and tons of videos of people barreling into, crashing into those barrels, like at highway speed, and then they back up and they drive away. Take a moment to consider all the factors that impact your health. What comes to mind? Your diet, perhaps your lifestyle, like whether you exercise, drink, or smoke. Maybe you thought about your family history of diseases like cancer or diabetes. But health and well-being go beyond that. The field of public health is about thinking broader, thinking beyond the individual, about how our built environment affects us, how laws and policies impact us, and how the social forces influence our behavior and well-being. Each week, this podcast will discuss one topic from the wonderful world of public health to reveal these ubiquitous hidden forces and artifacts. One episode at a time, we will show how public health is all around us. Welcome to Everything is Public Health. Everything is Public Health. Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. This is Cass. And I'm MJ. Uh, To start this episode, a slightly weird question. Do you play video games? Me? I play a ton of video games. Oh, that's lovely. Are any of them open world games like uh, Grand Theft Auto or also known as GTA? I do play some open world uh, games. I don't play GTA because I'm not the greatest at actually flying the helicopters or driving the cars around. So GTA, for those of you who don't know, is an open world game where there's a lot of driving. And I brought this up because when you're driving in GTA, if you drive a car and if you drive it at even like a moderate amount of speed, you could pretty much go through lamppost. Like every single lamppost, as soon as you touch it, like it's it's programmed to just like fall out of the way and just like completely disappear. And I remember as a kid looking at that and being like, that is the most unrealistic thing ever. <laughs> There's no way that you can just hit a lamppost and they'll just fall over, and just like not damage your car at all. And the other thing is in those games, in those open world games, if you if you were to hit a tree, like that tree could be as thin as your forearm. But if you were to hit even like a tiny tree, your car just crumple and gets totaled. <laughs> and I don't know why. I think it's because it's harder for them to program a tree to like bend than it is to for them to program a lamppost to just like fall over like a, a bowling pin. Um, so I always thought that was unrealistic until you told me otherwise that those posts are actually designed to fall over. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that light posts, street signs, all those things, they're meant to give way to the car to try to distribute the energy and reduce injury. Yeah, and I remember you telling me this and like I was just like completely blown away because of course someone thought about this, right? That didn't just happen. And of course, someone thought about this because I'm sure in the past they didn't do this and several cars got absolutely destroyed. Not just several cars, thousands of cars. I mean, other than other than trees, which you noted usually don't fall over in video games, light posts were one of the leading causes of fixed object collision fatalities because you would hit this post that's buried in the ground and your car would just be destroyed that's where that the saying you know you wrap your car around a post it came because when you would hit one of these posts it would just destroy the car and you would literally wrap around it and the occupants could be either severely injured or killed so you mentioned thousands of deaths and i guess i was being too optimistic because i thought a few deaths would happen and they would be like oh this is a problem but of course it took thousands of deaths so how was, what did roads look like back in the days? Like what was the road sign? 
If you look at like even old movies, there's really interesting old video from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration or from the Federal Highway Authority. You can see the way these roads used to be designed, which is like almost totally different from the way they are right now. When you drive down a road today, there are guardrails. The street signs are off to the side. They're not right up against the road. And there are big barrels. Wait, of- wait, wait, wait. What do you mean a street sign right up? How, where else will you put a street sign? They would put them like right up against the side of the road or they'd be um, in the median without any guardrails. And so if you took one wrong turn or if you slipped, think about bridges, right? Or like an overpass. They used to be designed so that like in the median, in the middle, between the lanes, there'd be a a huge chunk holding a bridge up with no guardrails, no nothing, and you would just drive right into them. For decades, we were designing roads in a way that were so exceptionally dangerous, but people didn't think about prevention. It was just, this is the way we build things and people just sort of need to be safer around them. And then some public health folks came along and were like, this is really stupid, guys. Like, <laughs> we need to make the environment safer. Yeah. That way, when when people who are human and bound to make mistakes do make mistakes, they aren't fatal. I Okay, I'm really struggling with picturing like how they could possibly put a street sign in the middle. So, so okay, look, imagine like a four-way intersection, okay? Are you telling me that they took the middle of that intersection and just planted a post in the middle? Sometimes. What? <laughs> Sometimes. So there was like, we think about four-way intersections. We thought that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that way everyone could see it. Um, but if you think about it, like a four-way stop now, right? Like often... We now have traffic circles right? where you rather than everyone stopping, you approach a circle, right? It's meant to slow traffic down. It's meant to prevent head on or T-bone collisions where, you know, one car drives into the side of the other. And if there is a crash in a traffic circle, they're much slower than they might be otherwise. But in the past, in some places, they would put signs indicating, oh, you know, Uh, Chicago this way, you know, Indianapolis this way, whatever, whatever kind of signs there were, they might be in the middle where cars were expected to drive past them. So people realized, well, what happens if you, if it's rainy and you slip or you try to stop and you're skidding, you might slam right into that. Or if they weren't in the middle, they would be perhaps even right up against the road on the um, shoulder, but designed in such a way that if you hit that it didn't move, right? If, let's let's think for a second about how you make something stand up. Let's picture it, yep. Right, you have a post. Post. The way, let's focus in just on streetlights. The way streetlights used to be buried, right? It's a very tall light. And so in order to keep that stable from wind or whatever, you would bury a substantial portion of that solid post into the ground. From an engineering perspective, this makes total sense. right. The problem is, if you hit that post as a driver in a car, that post doesn't move by design, and that energy is just crashing, smacking right into your car. So in the 80s, 70s and 80s, people started to realize this is actually a pretty substantial problem. Let's come up with some new design. And that's where they came up with these breakaway streetlights. 
which are just, I think, a super cool example of design. How do they fix the problem of keeping things up without burying it? What was their solution? So they made a two-part post. So there's the base that gets buried, just like it would be if it was a traditional post. Okay. And then there's the upper part, which is above the ground that has the light. And they use a special connector with bolts that have to have some kind of special tension on them. and But they're designed so that when you, if a car were to hit it, the connection point is low enough to the ground that the car will drive over the base and the street light will be hit such that it goes over the top of the car. It helps slow the car down if it's speeding out of control, but it also breaks away so that you're not running into an immovable object and it substantially reduces injury and death. But the other cool thing, if you hit a post that's buried in the ground and if it gets damaged, you have to pull out and replace the entire post. Oh, that's right. (laughs) But these breakaway posts, the bases stay in place, the parts buried underground, often because the, the force required for the breakaway you may, with limited effort, be able to reuse that top post also. So all you really need are to replace those bolts. And so it can economically save money and it can save lives because you don't have people crashing into posts that don't move. Right. And this, so essentially, it's the same design, except that they made a weak point at, at roughly ground level so that when something happens to it, the weak point will give way instead of the whole post just like standing there like a sentinel. And the car just slamming into it. And so I guess I need to apologize to the GTA developers. Um, <laughs> that was actually accurate then. It will it will literally be like what you see in video games where it just like, boom, just yep. falls over. Absolutely. The car would drive through it. The light post would go over the car. You wouldn't run over anything on the ground because the connection point is low. So it's not to damage the underside of the car. And design is just such a cool way that public health has brought prevention to road safety. Yeah. And uh, with, with the lamppost, are they designed to like fall on top of the car? Yeah. So there's a couple of ways. So it could fall on top of the car or sort of roll off, right? Depending on the speed of the car, if you're trying to slow down at the time. But some other street signs and some utility poles are designed to hinge so that if you hit it, not only does the base break away, but if the top is connected to something, like think about a, a traffic signal, right? So you've got um, a string of traffic lights and posts on either side. If you hit the base, some are designed to bend in the middle so that the post will then look like an L. The car drives underneath it and then the street lights don't fall down. That is so smart. Because they're still able to stay up. Because the whole post doesn't go flying away. I mean, these these are things that's like perfect for this podcast because I've I've never given a second thought to all the lights and lampposts around me. I just thought, oh yeah, of course that's there. But it makes total sense. I someone thought about it and put it there. I think I think this is true. Like in general, in human history, it's very rare that we anticipate a disaster. <laughs> It's almost always... We aren't always great at that. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost always something awful happened. And it was like, oh, yeah, that was a stupid idea. (laughs) 
Let's redesign it so fortunately we're living in it. I mean, look at the blimp. Yeah, exactly. Right, let's let's fill a big balloon full of helium. Nothing bad could happen, right? And then the Hindenburg crashed. Uh, was it helium? No, it was something it was something more flammable. It was a was it hydrogen? No, I thought oh, you're right. It wasn't helium. It was um Helium is a noble gas, so helium yeah. might, might not. So they should have done it with helium, I guess. <laughs> it was it was some kind of gas that was super flammable. Yeah, it was like hydrogen gas or something. <laughs> yeah, but I think the so the thing my main area of focus in public health is thinking about preventing injuries, mm-hmm. which is like one of the the broad public health topics. And one of the cool tools that injury prevention or public health uses are what we call the three E's. Mm-hmm. So we have education, enforcement, and engineering. So education is all about can we teach people to do the safe thing, can we teach people how to behave? So in the context of road safety, you could think about driver's education. And then you have enforcement, right? If people don't do the things that we've taught them to do and they don't follow the law, then we have policies in place to hold people accountable. So you could think about, you know, people being ticketed for running red lights or drinking and driving. But the third E, engineering, is one of the things that I think people don't they miss in the world when we're thinking about the coolness that is public health because engineering is all about designing our environment and products to be as safe as possible or to limit harm as much as possible. And these breakaway streetlights are such a cool example of how engineering can be used to... We, we can't get rid of light posts, right? That would be even worse than, than having light posts at all because then no one would be able to see anything. So we've recognized a potential harm and we mitigate that harm through engineering by making them break away. Yeah. And I think this this is something that we're going to talk about this as a theme through multiple episodes, which is a big part of engineering something is assuming that something will happen, right? Because I'm sure when they first came up with their, why would you put anything in the middle of the intersection? But whatever, when they first came up with that idea, I think their thought was, Oh, well, people are just not going to drive into it. You know, there's like, yeah, it's it's a huge post. Like, why, who, what, what kind of idiot would drive into such a huge post in the middle of the road in the open? And that type of thought process is is what leads to those poor design, I feel. The, the idea that, of course, nothing is going to happen. Whereas uh, the engineering, when they come up with these creative solutions, the theme is always, let's assume it will happen. And then how do we deal with that? And you'll see this theme repeated multiple times, especially in patient safety, which we'll definitely get to in a future episode. Absolutely. And I think, again, light posts are just one example. We can. There are lots of other examples on roadways and streetlights and, and design, but there's also cool things that we've done in motor vehicles to make them safer, right? We've also improved driver education. But I think the thing that really stands out for me in terms of how we miss the importance of this in public health is when you think think back to the 1980s, when some of these things were being recognized as, as hazards, we had 20 people per 100,000 population dying in motor vehicle crashes in 1980. Mm-hmm. We drive billions, billions with a B, more vehicle miles now than we did in the 1980s. And our rates of motor vehicle crash fatalities have cut almost in half. Right, despite the fact that we're driving more. Despite the fact that we're driving more. There's so much more exposure, but our rates of motor vehicle crash deaths are cut in half because of 
all of these different things that public health has brought to play in terms of prevention, working with vehicle designers, working with civil engineers, working with all these folks with an eye towards prevention, which is really that public health lens, we've seen dramatic declines in motor vehicle crashes. Yeah, and and motor vehicle crashes are, I think, one of those prime examples where there is no cure, right? If, If the crash happened, it happened. Like, you can't really undo the crash, which is why prevention is such a big Uh, can be seen so clearly when it comes to a field like this. Well, the other cool thing about public health is we don't only think about preventing the crash, right? So we do certainly want to try to keep crashes from happening in the first place. But then we also want to minimize harms if crashes do occur, right? So people know, all right, we would love to keep people from running into light posts. So we're going to teach them to drive safely. We're going to have police to you know, hold people accountable if they're driving too fast, etc. But rather than just saying, okay, that's where we're going to stop, you say, okay, if somebody does hit the light post, how can we minimize the harm during that crash, the event phase, and that's where those lights break away. And then we say, okay, well, you still might be injured. So let's have really robust EMS services so that when we call 911, paramedics and EMTs can come and treat you. So it's, it's thinking about the total sort of span of potential injuries Prevention is key when we're thinking about public health, but we also need to have a robust system to handle things when they do happen. Yeah, like harm reduction and adverse events reductions. and Absolutely. And like you said, I, I love how you brought in the EMS thing because it just shows you like how wide public health can go. Like everything, everything is public health. Everything is connected with one another. And this is like a prime example. And uh, like you said, street lights are obviously not the only thing that we have engineered. I, as a child, I always wonder what those yellow buckets are on highway ramps <laughs> until I found out that they are put there obviously on purpose because, of course, everything's on purpose. Um, they're they're filled with water. Is that what they're filled with or some sort of usually water? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I just never knew why that was there. Like, why not just why not just, you know, I don't know, build a concrete thing. But then it makes so much sense, because if you think about a highway ramp. Essentially, it is like a pointed wedge pointing towards traffic. That's essentially what that is. And I'm sure some people have just drive straight on that pointed wedge and just get completely destroyed. And that's why those buckets of waters are there is to reduce the impact should that happen. Absolutely. There were lots of crashes where people, there had been, there'd be a, a guardrail, for example, right? That the guard, there'd be a break in the guardrail so that there was an off-ramp and then the guardrail would start back up again right after the off-ramp. And people would either miss the off-ramp or you know maybe it was dark and, and they couldn't see and they would drive into the end of the guardrail. And that guardrail would cause the same kind of damage as a buried post would. And so people realize this is maybe not a great idea. So there, there have been a couple of designs. You mentioned the big barrels of water that can be at the end. I've seen tons and tons of videos of people barreling into, crashing into those barrels, like at highway speed, and then they back up and they drive away because the whole point of those barrels is to distribute the energy to slow the car down. That way they're not being you know slammed into. The other thing I'll say about cars, same same kind of ideas. So cars used to be made like big metal tanks, basically. They would just destroy anything 
they ran into, assuming it wasn't a light post or or the end of a guardrail. Uh, but now you get into a car crash in these more modern cars and they look totaled. They look absolutely destroyed, but that's by design. These crumple zones, they, they distribute the energy throughout the car. That way the energy is not just slamming totally into the occupant. And people are surviving crashes now that they never would have in the past. Yeah, because, you know, those office toys like Newton Cradle office toys, essentially, it just imagine that, but on you, because if the if the front of the car is pure metal and it doesn't give way, whatever that impact to concrete, that impact is transferring one to almost one to one to you if the front of the car is like pure metal. And that's why the crumple zone kind of softens that and makes makes it more survivable. Obviously, uh, we'll we'll probably ha- dedicate a whole episode to the history of uh, car safety inside the car. Well, and I think it's such an interesting exploration and such a, a great topic to dig into because there are great translatable lessons learned. We didn't say, wow, cars are super dangerous. We should ban cars. We worked with vehicle manufacturers. We worked with insurance companies and all of, you know, setting design standards. And we said, okay, how can we make these vehicles more safe? Because we know that they do pose a risk. And so road design, car design, driver's education, enforcement, all of these things come together, which most people don't even, we don't even question. Oh, yeah, I want to go get a driver's license. Of course, I need to pass a test showing that I can safely do so and, you know, maybe take a course to prep myself for that. Like, this didn't just happen. People thought, hey, let's try to um, use our principles of public health, these three E's, to put these things in place. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that all these things didn't just happen overnight and didn't happen arbitrarily. A lot of people put a lot of thought into this and they implemented them. One of the goals of injury prevention, again, being the field that I spend um, a lot of my time in in public health, is to make the safest thing the easiest thing to do. But it can be hard to change behavior, and we certainly can't and and likely don't want police everywhere all the time trying to enforce our laws. And so it's important to think about how engineering can play a role in how we design our environments and our products to be as safe as possible or at least as least harmful as possible. And so I'm so jazzed about this particular episode um, and thinking about how we can explore engineering and in particular breakaway light posts. Exactly. And this this is a theme that you'll see over and over again, because it's such a powerful tool that public health uses. It's like, how do we design the built environment so that one, it prevents things or two, if something does occur, it prevents or minimizes harm. And this is something we'll see over and over again. Yeah. And so many of our successes uh, are things that we don't see or consider because they're part of our environment. And we just sort of think of them as having been that way, especially for young folks who may not have been around when these changes were happening. And that's why it's so important to remember, MJ, that everything is public health. Exactly. Everything is public health. Yeah. So the next time when you walk out your door, next time when you are in a space uh, in public, think about the things around you. And maybe, maybe those things are there for a reason. Maybe those things are there not because you know, they just happen to be there. Maybe those things are there because someone thought of it and they put it there for your sake. And they're meant to be invisible. But hopefully with this episode, we show you that those invisible things actually have a lot, a lot of impact. 
Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more and more people can learn about the wonderful, omnipresent essence of public health. You can follow us on Twitter at EverythingIsPH to stay up to date on new episodes, public health news, and more. Send us questions or comments to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Also reach out if you think we've missed an important perspective or suggest a topic for a future episode. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Crifassi. And if you're interested in seeing any of my delicious gluten-free baking creations, you can follow me on Instagram at CassPhD. Please also give us a rating and review on wherever you listen to podcasts. It does help us immensely. Don't forget to like, share, and comment as well. If you want to support the podcast directly, we have a Patreon page, and you can find the link for that in the episode description below. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health. <laughs>